0: Welcome to the Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you'll be blessed by this message from Senior Pastor Marty Manuel. Well, it's good to stay hungry, isn't it? Um, it's interesting for Karen and I on our journey of pastoring, you know, these, these uh, nearly seven years. For us, it's been a real journey of um, working out staying hungry but not burning out, staying thirsty but not just driving yourself crazy at the same time. Anyone else had that feeling before? And it's like, you know, Lord, if you you don't send revival in the next week, I'm going to die. And then he doesn't send revival and it's like, all right, well, I don't really want to die, so I'll just put it off a little bit, another month, another year. And so it's also, it's, for us, it's a journey of learning how to posture our hearts, staying hungry, but staying growing and still operating in, in a community, still operating in our jobs and in our, our roles of life that God gives us. Um, but there's one thing that never can leave us, and that is the presence of God. We can never do without the presence of God. And so it doesn't matter how good we get or how how busy we get, we can never do without the presence of God. And it's it's like Moses said, Lord, don't send us, don't give me a new job, don't promote me unless your presence goes with us. And that's what we continually say because we need his presence. And um, I I suppose I say that just to continually keep that in the forefront of who we are. We're a people of his presence. And, uh, you know, I've said it before, but no matter how nice my haircut is, I still like the presence of God better than anything else. And so um, just poke the person next to you and just say, you're looking good this morning. And wives, just poke your husbands and say, why don't you get a hairdo like that? (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Russ, nice look? All right, good, good. Um, okay, I'm leaving it right there. <laughs> I'll get myself into some serious strife. Okay, today, uh, this I've never spoken on this before, and it was kind of strange this week when I was thinking about it. I was actually sort of... Um, challenging the Lord in my own little way and saying, well, that's not really even a sermon. That's not a sermon title. But um, anyway, so turn to Exodus chapter 3, and we'll see if we can make some sort of sermon out of this. Um, if not, we'll just sort of find something to do. Um, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to start from verse 10, and uh, this is very familiar to most of you. Moses, the burning bush experience, the Lord meets him in the bush, and really this is his his calling um, to lead the people um, out of Egypt, and so this is the pinnacle moment in Moses's life where he's called to ministry, if you like, and uh, so I want to I just pick up from verse 10. I'm going to jump around a little bit over chapter 3 and 4, so try and stay with me, and we'll, we'll get the gist of it. Uh, so from verse 10, it says, therefore, come now, and I'll send you to Pharaoh. This is the Lord speaking to Moses through the bush, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, said, I'll bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite, and and we'll keep going. And then I'm going to skip over into verse 18. They will pay heed to what you say and you you with the elders of Israel come to the king of Egypt and you'll say to them, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with many miracles, etc. Go to Go to chapter 4 verse 1. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say. For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord has said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it to the ground. So he threw it to the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to you. The Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand into your bosom. So he took his hand, put it into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then he said to him, put your hand into your bosom again. Then he said his hand into his bosom. I know, weird word, but it's there. And he took it out of his bosom and behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last. But if they don't believe the first two signs or heed what you say, then Take some water into the Nile, and he explains uh, some other things. Then Moses says in verse 10, he says to the Lord, "'Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, "'neither recently nor in the time past, "'nor since you have spoken to your servant. "'For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. "'The Lord said to him, "'Who has made a man's mouth? "'Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? "'Is it not I, the Lord? "'Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth.'" And teach you what you are to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. And he keeps going. And and actually, I will read the next little bit. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, is there not your brother uh, Aaron, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words into his mouth. And so he goes on and Aaron becomes Moses Mouthpiece. Now, why did I read all that? I read all that because today I want to talk about questions, questions, really good questions. Moses here, he pushes the Lord too far in his questioning. But in reading this, I've realized that actually the Lord loves us asking questions of him. He loves it when we pose things to him that maybe uh, uh, reveal our hearts or reveal the depth, the ache, the cry, something that's going on. And Moses here, in everything he's saying, we know that Moses was an extremely, extremely humble man, perhaps the most humble man who's ever lived, I think the Word of God says. And so we, we know that um, the Lord loved Moses' heart. That's why he chose him. But Moses, in his questioning... He kept posing things back to the Lord. The Lord asked him something. He kept, kept posing things back. And in, the, in that questioning, in that transaction that took place, he got more than he bargained for. He got signs and wonders. He got more of the Lord's heart. He got a revelation of, okay, if, if you don't think you're good enough, I'll give you a partner in ministry to stand by your side and go on the journey with you. And so what I want to explore today is that Obviously, when we if we become a person who's questioning everything, we can be you know kind of a second guesser, double minded, and so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real questions that are our heart's cry that we want to know of the Lord, the depth of His heart, the things that maybe we're too scared to ask someone else that we can pose to Him and say, Lord, why why would You want me to do this? And so I want to explore that a little bit today. And there's three areas of questioning. That I want to cover, and the first area is questions of God, Moses here in ex- Exodus three and four um, was the pinnacle of his uh, of his life in a way he 's meeting with the lord he 's right there, speaking uh, as if speaking to you and i um, and and you would think for most of us, we would probably. Um, if the Lord appeared to us, even if the Holy Spirit spoke to us this morning, something very clearly, um, we would, most of us say, wow, I've heard the Lord. Now I'm just going to go and do that. But Moses, in his humility, knew his own weakness. And so he had to question of the Lord some deeper things so that he got a greater revelation about what was going to take place. And so our questioning of the Lord sometimes, if we're going to the Lord and we're saying, Lord, how, what does that look like? Now, often we can get ourselves a little bit caught up with questioning because it can become kind of a spiraling thing. Like, Why did that happen? Why didn't that happen? Why hasn't this broken through in my life? Why haven't I been released into that area of ministry or job or career or family? Or? And so this can become quite a negative thing. I'm not talking about that. Because sometimes we can end up spending years asking the wrong question. We're we're asking, why aren't I seeing what I think I should be seeing? The question should be, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you training me? What are you showing me in this season of life? And so we can spend a long time spiraling around the symptom and not the cause. Do you know what I mean by that? And so it can often become a, a, quite a negative spiral if we begin asking all the symptomatic questions rather than the root cause. Lord, what are you trying to show me in what you're not doing? What are you trying to tell me in what I'm not hearing? What are you trying to reveal to me when I'm not finding you? Seek and you shall find. And so like Moses, we then pose another question of the Lord. And even in our humility, if we have a humble heart before the Lord, we then ask another question. And so one of the areas for, for us that we find um, a great load of wisdom, <laughs> you th- thinking what am i going to say there, but a huge amount of wisdom from, for us comes from asking really, really good questions of other people, really godly people, people who have greater fruit in their life than what we do. And and this is something that we look for, and this is the second area of question. The first area is questions of God. Second area is questions of godly people, and um, and so we do this regularly. Um, doesn't you know? As long as it's someone who's bearing a lot of fruit for the kingdom of God, and that's what we look for. Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions, but more than listening to their opinions, we need to look at the fruit coming out of their life, because you know where there's fruit, there's a root. And if the fruit's good, the root is good. If the fruit's barren then the root isn't so good. So it doesn't matter what's coming out of the mouth. We need to look at the evidence. We need to look at the testimony. We need to look at the fruit coming out of their life. How do they speak? How do they live? What does their family live like? What What is the atmosphere around them? Is it positive or is it negative? Is it of faith or is it of fear? Is it one where I feel lifted up or pulled down? And when we look at the fruit of other people's lives, we'll know pretty quickly whether we want to eat of that fruit or not. And this is like a topic of our life because we 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 try and um, really uh, even assess ourselves and make sure the fruit of our lives is bearing is healthy. And as soon as we see some little fruit coming out that might be not so good, a bit bruised or not so good, then we try and okay, what's the root of that? What what do we need to do? And so Karen and I often have this conversation. Okay, are we are we okay here? Are we not okay there? Um, but this is something we've learned from other people and and. We're blessed in many ways because we get to hang around a lot of great godly leaders around the world and um, I can remember just about every time that we're with them for maybe it's lunch or dinner or um, spending some time with them, there will barely be a conversation or or an afternoon go by where we're not actually posturing ourselves to know nothing and ask questions. And not assume that we have the answers because that's a valuable time where we, we sit humbly like Moses did and we pose questions. So, Okay, how do you go about doing that? How do, you, how do you find breakthrough through that challenge? How do you treat this situation? How do you work through those things in your marriage? How do you work those things through in relationships? How do you get financial breakthrough? How do you see some of the fruit that you see in your life? And so we, we've done this for years and years and years with um, those uh, leaders in ministry um, but I've said it before a number of times I, I do it in any area um, whether it's finances uh, I, I try to find people who are very successful financially I will say all right how do you do what you do how do you how do you find that kind of breakthrough and whether they're a believer or not there's normally a key somewhere in there that you can take away and get an upgrade and so um, when we don't posture ourselves to know everything and have an answer for everything we're going to become very, very wise because we're going to learn a lot from a lot of people. And I've used this example a number of times, but um, in business, when we first started out in business, um, I don't know how many years ago it was now, 10, 12, 14 years ago, something like that. Um, Well, I was 26, so there you go, 14 years, okay. Okay. But um, I remember one of the first things I did was get as many of the really good business people in Adelaide, uh, Christian business people that I could find, and I would try and tee up a meeting with them. So I'd drive wherever I had to go, or if it's interstate, fly over and see them, and I'd search them out, and I'd go and say, listen, if I can just have an hour of your time, I just want to ask you some questions. And so um, those times were some of the most valuable times for me in business, even though it wasn't a long amount of time, the gems that I got for some of those leaders led me to the breakthroughs in business that we eventually had. And so it's amazing what half an hour of questioning godly people who have incredible fruit in their lives, it's amazing what that time can have. Because if you let them uh, right, rightfully speak into your situation, there can be so much wisdom that you can collect. But here's the thing that we always look for. Look for strong marriage. Look for strong fruit. Look for fruit coming out of their mouths because it might be that they have great fruit in one area. I'm talking about believers, talking about believers because so many people have opinions. But we need to look for those who have really, really got the testimony screaming out of their lives. They don't have to tell anyone because the testimony is so big. The testimony is good. And we want to go after the testimony, we want to go after the fruit because then we can eat of it and it's good. The third area is questioning ourselves. I think this is a really interesting area. Um, in, in one sense, someone could almost call it repentance. But questioning of ourselves and, and every now and then doing a bit of a review. I mean, most of you, if you've been in work, you might have an annual review or, you know, six monthly review. But I think this is a healthy thing for us to do as believers and say, all right, what am I doing? Am I doing what the Lord's called me to do? Am I in a posture? That is the one that he's given me? Or am I running in someone else's lane? You know, Because when we're actually running in our anointing, the anointing flows through us stronger and easier. If we're trying to run in someone else's anointing, it's hard work and it saps our energy. And so when we find that place, when we learn that place and understand, Lord, I know what you've called me to, and be true to that, not true to anyone else or anyone else's calling, then we can flow in our anointing. Because the Holy Spirit projected in and through us is exactly the, one, exactly the way he wants us to look. He doesn't want us looking like anyone else. He doesn't want us taking on anyone else's heaviness or ministry or anything like that. It's you he wants. It's your heart he wants. Just like Moses, he wasn't worthy, but the Lord wanted him. And he knew he could do anything with him. A yielded vessel God can do anything with. And it's a powerful thing when we have an identity shift and we say, ah, I know exactly who I am. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High. I don't have to be like anyone else. I don't have to try to be like anyone else. And then when we begin to realize that, we can say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? I don't... Worry about anyone else, what do you have for me? What does it look like? And if things aren 't quite going right, maybe things aren 't falling into place, uh, maybe there 's some blockages. Lord, how do I get through that rather than questioning why why isn 't this happening why isn 't that happening? why' is, Lord, why? Why is there a hesitation? Why is there a delay? You see what I mean? We're asking a deeper layer question. It's going into the heart of the Father and trying to get a revelation on what's the root, Lord, that you want to show me today in my life, in my situation. What's going on? Why aren't things happening the way that I envisage they would happen? Maybe there's a huge lesson in what's not happening. Maybe there's a dramatic answer in what he's not saying because we can spend a lot of energy potentially asking the wrong question and so i think it's really pertinent for us to understand what questions to ask of god what questions are we ask of him um but i think it's just so healthy and i think moses is a great example because he's a broken man he's been outcast he's very humble He doesn't think he's worthy. So for each and every one of us here today, he fits the bill. He fits the bill. I'm sure that most of us throughout our life, when we've felt something from God or we've felt, okay, I'm now to do this, or I've got to say this to that person, or I've got to share this with family or friends or spouse or uh, work situation, there's a nervousness that kicks in. And that nervousness is a good thing. It's just like Moses, it's a humility, it's a brokenness. And when there's that brokenness, we finally find our place of the limp. And just like Jacob, he finds that for the rest of his life, he walks with that from an encounter of the presence of God. And so when we realize that actually that nervousness is often actually the Lord saying, yes, I want you to go. So he actually turns our weakness into his voice. Have you ever had that when you're not quite sure what's, what's going on? You're not quite sure on what's the will of God. But you know deep down there's one direction that makes you feel a little bit nervous. It's a little bit of fear maybe. I think Moses was packing his pants at the burning bush day to be honest with you. But <laughs> um, if you think about it through your life, There's times where there's that little bit of, and and it's not worry or anxiety. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a healthy nervousness. It's like, oh, okay, I'm actually quite nervous about doing this, but I'm feeling a drawing to that." that. And that's that weakness, but it's the Lord's voice in the weakness. Sometimes he makes us weak, feel weak, or he allows our humanity to know it can't accomplish anything without him. So our, our nervousness and our, our physical body is like, oh, okay. But this is a good thing. This is Moses at the burning bush. I'm not worthy, Lord. I can't speak. I can't do that. I can't do the stuff that everyone else can. Isn't that such a lie of the enemy? These things that we, we make up in our own heads and the enemy sort of adds some pepper to it sometimes. I can't speak like they can. Well, look at Moses, <laughs> one of the greatest fathers of our faith he said those very same things. So be careful if you've said that before. I can't speak like them. I can't go. I can't lead people. I can't do anything good or people don't listen to me. And and these sorts of um, things that sometimes we make up in our own heads or the enemy plays on insecurities that we have. Be careful because they're the very words of Moses. You're in good company. In fact, if you've said those words, watch out. Watch out what he might be calling you to. He could be drawing you into something very, very significant. And even now today, maybe, even on Pentecost Sunday, maybe it's a time of a suddenly. Maybe some suddenlies are going to break loose in some of our hearts. Maybe for years we've been, uh, you know, And living in this kind of situation like Moses, way out in the wilderness, away from things, away from the spotlight, away from anyone noticing, it's a good posture to have. And then the Lord comes suddenly, and he makes us nervous because it's his voice. And he often speaks that way. Matthew 18, 1-6 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called to a child to himself, And set him before him and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, interestingly enough, you don't have to read the Gospels for too long when the disciples were with Jesus. And what do you find? You find a whole lot of questions. Every now and then, Jesus gives them quite a brutal answer. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever read through the Gospels and you think, Man, I would have asked the same things as the disciples asked, I would have got a Jesus slap. Now, would it be me? Well, I can tell you just about every question that the disciples ask, I know, I've been thinking too, and so that I'm in that camp. But, you know, even though they got an honest, brutal answer sometimes from Jesus, it sharpened them. It sharpened them. I remember one day um, in when we had our uh, business, I brought in a, a leading business guy from Adelaide and... Um, his business had grown something like 10 or 15 times in the last few years and he was very prominent. And I asked him to come and give me some advice. I'd seen the fruit of his uh, factory and, and the, his business. And so, um, ag- again, this is an, another example of where I've never been too scared to pick someone else's brains and become a sponge and learn whatever I can from them. But I had him and I, I, I knew this guy had a reputation. He had a reputation of being fairly brutal. Uh, honest, he wasn't a believer, and so I was prepared for it. But anyway, so I took him through the factory and showed him everything, and I said, "Listen, I, I just want your opinion on a couple of things. So, what do you think about this?" Um, I won't give you his reply because um, I think we're on camera and podcast this morning. Um, but um, but it was very very frank. He used a lot of French, I think, um, and um, he really gave me a whole expletive of basically get rid of this thing and it was a certain area of our plant that wasn't producing fruit and he said you know get that thing out of here basically and it really shocked me because I was prepared for it but I wasn't prepared for that kind of brutality okay this is this was part of my baby you know part of the first thing that that I ever started and and for and and literally the meeting ended on that it was like all right thanks for that and he was off he had his you know he had his mind on other things and he's uh Anyway, I won't go off on a whole tangent. But basically, the meeting finished at that. And I remember I had someone else with me who was another business guy who sort of introduced me to him. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with that? Uh, Well, lo and behold, I chose to take his advice. And it was fantastic advice. We did do what he said. um, And it bore fantastic fruit. And so even though the answer may not be what we want to hear, it may be the thing that we need to hear. And so, for me, taking that twenty minutes with that guy, it was—it wasn't powly wally. It wasn't a great. I'd never seen him or talked to him since. He would have no idea whether I even took him up on his advice. But just that little bit of wisdom that he had for me, in whatever form, I chose to take it rather than get offended. And believe me, there's plenty of examples I could could give you where I did get offended. But I'm just giving you the good one this morning. But. Anyway, I took that, and it bore really, really good fruit. In fact, it it instantly had fruit once I decided to act upon it. And so even though I didn't like what he said, I took it, realized it was truth, realized it was right, and I thought, okay, I'm glad I asked that question. And this is what the disciples did. They're learning from Jesus. I mean, they had no template. They had no New Testament to read like we have. I mean, can you imagine we have enough confusion when revival breaks out in any city or nation nowadays? I mean, Toronto, for example, so much confusion, so many people saying, oh, there's this and that. Remember, the disciples had no New Testament to go back to and say, this is what the prophets spoke of. You know what I mean? Of course, they did in the book of Acts, they referred back to that. But then no, no template for healings and signs and wonders coming in that way. And so this is all new to them all new to them. Even demons coming out in this way was new. It was a new covenant style thing of, of the impartation of God in us. And so we can see that we now have so much of a template to go from, but we need to ask questions. Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? What aren't you saying? Where's the blockages in my life? It's a really, really healthy question to ask. Where am I not bearing fruit? Where are people running away from me and not to me? Why aren't I seeing the kind of fruit that I actually thought I would be by now? Why is that not happening? And sometimes, if we can't hear anything, maybe you've journaled it, uh, maybe you've written it down. You meditate on the word. You've sought out the Lord in every way. When when we finally get to a place where we just blocked, 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 this is often when it's really good to go to someone whose tree is just flourishing absolutely flourishing, because it'll be easy pickings. They'll just say to you, hey, have you ever tried this? And you'll go, oh my gosh, for six months, I've been struggling through, and, and here it is, there's just a pearl of wisdom that I needed right now. And it's a really good thing. And that's what family does, doesn't it? I mean, when you think of the way God created family, it was, it was heritage, it was lineage, it was inheritance. And it wasn't just inheritance of money, it was inheritance of knowledge, of wisdom. I was thinking about this the other day and listening to a podcast and and um, um, I, was, I was thinking it's very easy for us, uh, even in a, a schooling setting because obviously we have the college, um, for us as families and parents to um, send the kids off to school and think that school's actually going to teach them about life and marriage and, uh, you know, how to how to give to the Lord, how to tithe, how to have rightful relationships and or, or sexuality and all this sort of stuff. We can sort of think school's going to teach them that. And I, I was thinking about it, thinking, hang on, it's only been probably in the last, I don't know, 100 years or so where that's really been the case. Prior to that, it was family that taught family. It was that lineage, wasn't it? It was that lineage of inheritance of knowledge and wisdom passed down. And so, Um, It's actually got me thinking this week, you know. Um, But anyway, that's for another day. But um, Voltaire said, judge a man by his questions rather than by his answers. I think it's really pertinent that we posture ourselves as people that ask good questions. Good questions. And sometimes it means even asking a question of something we're a bit confused about or maybe we don't understand. There's nothing wrong with asking a question. I often say to people when they come and see me, uh, you know, might say, okay, I want to talk through something. It's like, okay, let's talk it through. And, and they'll, um, if someone then um, puts, a, puts a waiver out there, hey, I hope you don't mind me asking this. You always know what's coming when, when that happens. But, but I say, okay, I don't mind you asking as long as you don't mind me giving you an answer. And see, that's the thing. We don't want to manipulate people and say, hey, I just want to question you. This is not about questioning people. This is about taking wisdom and applying it for ourselves. See, it's it's about pulling from it, not pushing it on. And it's a different posture. It's a different attitude. Um, Friedrich Nietzsche said, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. I'll read that again. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And this is the story of Christianity, isn't it? we got so many questions. Why doesn't that person get healed? Why does that person get healed? Why do they have breakthrough there and not here? Why do miracles happen in certain areas and not others? Why, why do bad things happen? we got so many questions. We could go on questioning all day. We'd probably give Moses a run for his money. But ultimately we know the why. We know the why. And we know that Jesus has the answers to everything, even if we don't. And in this world of confusion, in this world of of distractions, and and there's, you know, there's a lot of political turmoil, and we're about to hear a whole lot of it, you know, in the election campaign, we're going to hear all sorts of things. And there's a whole lot of questions. But then, when we know the how, and the why of the Lord. When we know his heart, we know what his desire is. His desire is that we would be people of his presence, follow his will, follow his heart, that we would raise up the next generation who follow and hunger and thirst after the Lord. And when we know the heart's desire of our Father, a lot of the questions wash away because they just become periphery things. But if we spend all our lives just fighting the symptoms, we'll never get breakthrough in the cause. Because we need to know that the depth the depth of who we are is not just fighting symptoms. It's not just questioning everything. It's not just sort of repelling everything. It's finding the heart of the Father for who we are and releasing that to mankind. And when we have that, we're going to be able to answer people's questions without saying a word, without even saying anything. Because fruit speaks really loud, doesn't it? Just like me in my business situations, when when I've gone and sought after particular business people, I don't know them from a piece of cake. I don't know if half of them are saved or not. It hasn't really mattered. But what I've needed is someone who has the fruit. And so I've gone after people with the fruit. And this is what happens in the testimony of Jesus in our lives. People will want the fruit if they can see it and taste it in who we are, in how we live. And this is, this is the witness of Jesus in us, isn't it? This is the lamp. This is the light of the world. Probing searches for full revelation. I want to finish with this. Reading through Moses here, I was um, struck at how sharp God was with him. <laughs> it actually said, The Lord's anger burned against Moses. Now I hope I've never made the Lord's anger burn against me but here we have a man of God about to do one of the greatest things in the history of mankind for the Lord and his anger burned against him because he kept questioning he kept questioning and the questioning then turned into doubting but in his but at at that point before doubting himself the questioning the questioning he got greater and greater revelation and this This, I think, is a pearl of wisdom for us, that when we become people who question, when we grow in our questioning of the Lord, Lord, what would you like to do in this situation? Uh, And Shampa shared with us a lot when, uh, when we were with her that, you know, so much, so much, so often it is that we're to do nothing. So often it is to we're not actually to share that with someone. Maybe it's for us to take away and intercede for that person. Or or share with the Lord that burden that he's showing us or that breakthrough or whatever it might be. And, And that takes a really, really wise person to do that rather than blurt it out at the first minute. And so probing the Lord... Releases greater revelation, probing him on his heart for things. Lord, what is your heart for this area? What is your heart for my workplace? What is your heart for that situation? What is your heart for our family? What is your heart on these things? And as we probe, as we probe, he gives us greater revelation. As we ask wise people, they can release wisdom to us and we grow bigger. And ultimately, that's what we're asking the Lord to do, isn't it? To, for him to grow bigger and bigger in us. So I want you to stand this morning. And maybe the worship team, you can come up. Lord, we ask that today you would release a greater depth of your heart, Lord. Lord, for searching out the depths of who you are, for searching out what you're doing even in our life this morning. Lord, I pray that those blockages, those areas of confusion, those areas of doubting, those areas where maybe we don't quite know what we're to do or where we're to go or why hasn't there been breakthrough. Lord, I pray that today you would help us to be a people that ask the right questions. Lord, who wait on you, who listen to you. Lord, I pray that you would empty us of pride, us of arrogance of of anything that gets in the way of your wisdom and your power being released in and through us in every way possible. Lord, we ask even today that your holy spirit would help us, would fill us again, fill us again and make us a people, Lord that desire the fruit of the kingdom. The fruit of the kingdom. The fruit of the kingdom. The incredible fruit of the kingdom. Lord, we pray that you would Wipe away, wash away areas and distractions and things that are not of you, things that are restricting the flow of your presence through us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I want to pray just a a corporate prayer today. That's what I feel to do. And if you're in the posture this morning that maybe there isn't the breakthrough and there is those blockages and things aren't quite happening and, and you're ready, you're ready like Moses, you're ready to just say, Lord, however you want to, however you want to, you bring the breakthrough. Lord, I'm asking I'm asking for breakthrough. I'm asking for release. I'm asking for everything you've promised me. But I let go of I let go of the method. I let go of how you're going to use me. I let go of my ideal way of releasing this. But Lord, I'm desperate for you. Lord, I'm hungry for you to release the, the breakthrough. I'm hungry for you to release the new level, the new day. If that's you, just raise your hands and I just want to pray corporately over us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see our hearts today. You see our hearts today. And I pray, Lord, that you would take us seriously at our heart's cry, that you would hear our heart's cry this morning, that cries out for more. It cries out for breakthrough. It cries out for release. It cries out for the depths of the heart of the Father to be poured into us and out of us. And Lord, we pray that you would become so big in us, so big in us. I pray for breakthrough anointing this morning in Jesus' name. Breakthrough anointing. Breakthrough anointing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, that doors would open. That doors would open. Lord, that wisdom would be found. Lord, that we would hear your voice. We would hear your voice. Lord, I pray this week that wisdom voices would speak over us. Wisdom voices would speak over us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. You would lift us up. You would strengthen us. We thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just begin to thank him for breakthrough and for release already. Just by faith, begin to do that now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, our comforter, our counsellor, our advocate. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for refreshing. We pray for energy where there's been weakness, Lord. We pray for life where there's been death. We pray for hope where there's been no hope. Lord, we pray for release today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Thanks for joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.